Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And this podcast is ISO 8601 certified. we alternate we, we oh. do that joke and then we do the sometimes we forget that it's is that is that how we keep the designation yes okay <laughs> by talking about iso 8601 in the intro of our podcast which i will note in every single one of the recordings on zencaster where we record i do designate it using the four di the four digit year month day format yeah so we do actually comply with iso 8601 regulations and that's the same on all of our drafts all of our final products we actually use this for everything <laughs> because it's the only thing that's not confusing yeah it makes total sense I, I, like uh, unless you did like 10 or i guess today's the 12 so 12 jun 2020 <laughs> That's dependent on it being in English. So yep. we use the system that is more universal. Yep. We just did like a whole like two minutes on 8601. You can absolutely cut that part out. I am not. That is staying in. Okay, that's fair. It might be the end cap, but it's staying in. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> uh, would you like to start with being the elite before we get distracted again? Yes. Be being the colonoscopy this week. <laughs> that was a very that was a very stepped on a rake kind of show to shudder <laughs> so anyway we start off being the elite this week with the official Colt Cabana bit of the week yes I think this is his official intentional debut yep yeah. Kenny ha has nothing he can say to stop this he's gotta let it go it's Colt Cabana and Harrington going over the numbers for his set scene with Jericho, Cole Cabana, it's very popular with older women. Just saying. That's fair. I mean, like, I don't I, I don't know how true that is in, like, real life, but let's just say for the sake of argument that it is genuinely and actually true. It checks out. Like, as an older woman, I'm into Cole Cabana. Okay, that's fair. I, being someone still in her 20s, no, that actually doesn't have anything to do with why I don't find Cole Cabana attractive. <laughs> Never mind. I'm just gay. I'm dating a lesbian. Oh, God. So Cole Cabana is not attractive to me, but I'm a slightly younger lady who happens to be of the Wulu variety. Of the what? The Wulu variety. W-L-W. Uh, okay. I was thinking Age of Empires. Or no, it's not I... Age of Empires. That's... Yeah, it is. Wulu, Wulu is age of empires oh i thought it was something else okay god there were a lot of those like age of empires spinoffs that came out like right around then yeah and they all had pretty much the same mechanics going on the one that i got addicted to for a while was empire earth yep um because that one was the one that let you go into space at the end <laughs> Um, but my first, my very first, sorry, this is completely off topic. My absolute and very first RTS game was 
Red Alert 2. Yep, same. My my brother got it one year for Christmas, and we just tried it out. I also, uh, sorry, someone in chat mentioned Rise of Nations. I also loved Rise of Nations. Oh, yeah. That was so much fun. Here's the thing. I'm terrible at RTS games and strategy games in general. So whenever they came out at like a LAN party, mm -hmm. I would totally be down, but I would spend like an hour just fortifying and building units and then walk them to everyone's bases and go to the washroom. <laughs> <laughs> they start yelling at me before I even got back. That's a legit strategy, though. Uh, my favorite strategy was in Yuri's Revenge, building a cloning facility and then constructing a Yuri Prime because you would get two Yuri Primes, which like technically isn't supposed to be able to happen because Yuri Prime is supposed to be the one and only Yuri. Mm -hmm. But you can use Yuri Prime to take over other people's buildings. So you send your Yuri Prime in, you take over their fucking command center. And then you sell it immediately. <laughs> yep. And then they can't build shit. <laughs> so anyway, now that we've gotten distracted by talking about fucking Red Alert 2 Yuri's Revenge. We've been recording for 20 minutes. Have we? Okay, to be fair, like at least a solid five to ten minutes of that was before the show started. Still. The show has only been live for about ten minutes. <laughs> Okay, back to BT. Oh, yeah. So the other one that I really liked was Generals. That one was a lot of fun, too. Okay, I didn't play that one, actually. I was not a huge fan of, like, the main series Command & Conquer games, so, like, I don't know. I, I liked the Red Alert ones better, because okay. Tim Curry going, the only place not ravaged by capitalism. Space! Space! <laughs> Okay, but Red <laughs> Alert 3 was genuinely terrible. <laughs> but it's so much fun. I did appreciate them introducing a non-European faction. Anyway. Well, welcome to our gaming podcast. <laughs> welcome to, yes, welcome to... <laughs> gaming out with my girlfriend. <sighs> anyway, so Kenny Omega's still scared of Harrington. Yep, so we won't confront him over anything. Especially not this bit that he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And we jump over to the best friends who are still trying to figure out a bit for last week. <laughs> Cutler confronts them, says they never got him anything. And so they said, okay, we got something. And then bolt. And orange slowly rotates around a column out of view. <laughs> I think it would have been very funny if they had Cutler like go around the column to try to catch him and he just wasn't there. I was kind of hoping they would do something like that. I was hoping that too, but like, you know, it's also Orange Cassidy. He probably wouldn't disappear. Yeah, he doesn't really have supernatural powers that we know of. I don't know. He's got kind of like Saitama powers. So I assume <laughs> Orange Cassidy just does like 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, and 100 squats a day, and then runs 10 kilometers, and that's his entire workout. When nobody's looking? Yes. He finishes it in like, you know, maybe two hours. Okay, but Orange still has his hair. That's true. Maybe he's not quite done training yet. That's why people can survive the Superman punch. Yep, that's gotta be it. The brothers Youngbuck talk about Matthew Youngbuck's injury, which he's lucky is just a bruise. Where's that bruise? On his rib. Stop the multiverse! <laughs> and then we get Matt Hardy explaining what a rib is. Not the body part, but 
a practical joke in the locker room. <laughs> yes, because I I think honestly my favorite part of BTE is just Matt Hardy explaining wrestling terms. <laughs> it's honestly been one of the more engaging parts. Mm -hmm. I don't know if if it's because it's something new or it's just because it's Matt Hardy doing it. I think it wouldn't work as well without the uh, without having Matt Hardy do the do the weird introduction to it and like you know the weird cadence of his broken brilliance yes it just it makes it that much better like you know having someone explain you know when someone in wrestling says it's a work this is what that means when someone in wrestling says this is a blah 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 this is what this means it, it's too dry without the cadence of broken brilliance yes honestly yeah but that's that is kind of what makes it yeah so yeah we get we, we get explained we get a rib explained to us <laughs> if you don't know a rib is when you play a joke on someone then we go to a recap of the stadium stampede and all of that mm -hmm. is still fresh in my mind yeah that was an incredible incredible match we should probably watch it again sometime, to be honest. We should. Then we get a segment that lasts way too long. Way too long. Where Curryman explains colonoscopies to us. Yep. And everything involved in it. Including, like, the fucking chalk shit that you have to drink in order to clear out your colon beforehand. And, like... Yeah. <laughs> It was very, I mean, like, it's good to educate people on, like, you know, normal maintenance health practices. But for Which fuck's I sake, forward to. I didn't need, like, 20 minutes of Daniel's explaining his colonoscopy and how they stick a camera up your asshole. I'll do that for fun on my own time. Thank you. I know you will. I've seen it. What? Stick a camera in my butt? Well, he's pretty close. I genuinely don't know what you're talking okay. about. <laughs> okay, that joke fell flat. Sorry. I, I'm just confused. I'm confused because the colonoscopy cameras are way smaller than the stuff I stick I up know. my butt. That was the joke. I know, Aaron. I'm playing into the bit. <laughs> then why'd you explain instead of letting us move on? Because explaining the bit makes it effective. <laughs> <sighs> this is my girlfriend everyone she drives me crazy she drives me crazy ooh, ooh. <laughs> anyway after butt stuff with cd <laughs> i'm sorry i forgot how strong negronis are <laughs> oh, i have to keep up now <clears throat> i have I, like it's not like i've made a huge dent in it either that was a full glass no, it wasn't. It was fully here. Mm, it was a bit higher than that. Like the top of my finger. Okay. So here, I'll invert it for you. Please? Put the thing down, flip it in reverse. Okay, we need to fucking focus. <laughs> I, this part I'm cutting out. <laughs> we get a Cutler cam on Hangman and, and Omega taking on the Polycule. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool to see. I, I always like seeing a crowd view for, for stuff like this for sure especially when it's spots that i definitely remember now that i'm thinking about it do you think when they had that exhibition match of uh 
Penelope and Kip versus Kenny and Riho on the Jericho cruise. Do you think Cutler did the camera work for that? It's possible. I never really looked into it. It would make sense because it felt very like he- very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Like how Cutler shot the uh, BTE compound episodes. Yes. yes. Huh. I hadn't considered that. That would make sense if it was something that potentially wasn't going to see the light of day. Yeah. We cut to a segment on Spanglish. (laughs) With the Spanish commentary host, Alex. I didn't write down his last name. Abrahantes. Thank you. And Proud and Powerful, where they explain Botella to us. Mm -hmm. Which can either be a bottle or... An ass. Like, check out the Botella on her. Santana looked a little bit weirded out when that was the explanation he was given. Yeah. But then again, he always has that kind of like very straight man weirded out look going for him. Yes, I think the double act that is proud and powerful works well because Santana plays the straight man very well. Yes, and it allows Ortiz room to work around him and it's great. Since we're talking about Spanglish, would you like some weird East Coast English that only exists in a very, very, very narrow region. Yes. Yes, I would. It can be used very similar to Botella. It's the word John. J-A-W-N. <laughs> okay, I know this one. John is Philadelphia use for literally any noun. <laughs> and can be used in place of literally any noun. <laughs> hey, do you want to go down to the hoagie, John? Is one example. But you can also say, check out the John on her, referring to her ass. So, in your daily usage, if you feel like you just don't feel like remembering the word that you're trying to remember, we could just substitute John if it's a noun. (laughs) But she's got to sound a little bit more Philly if he wants to do it. You guys sound like you work for Chikara. (laughs) That's not fair. The Hatfields are from Hoboken. That's true. Uh, We got to a segment on BT that I'm a little bit jealous of, actually. Where Brandon Cutler shows off his new entrance die. Yes, his giant custom die that he had commissioned. He kind of hints at the possibility of there being custom Cutler die as like a thing you can buy from like the the AEW shop eventually. Yeah, I'm down. I'd be interested in that. But like, I also basically exclusively play D6 games or Genesis at this point. But the set's still nice to have around. Yeah, I I just would have to go back to playing D20 games. My experience with D20 games says I don't want to go back to playing (laughs) D20 games. Valid. I play a D20 game on my Wednesday game sometimes, like, on occasion when we're, like, taking breaks. So it's like, oh, I forgot how annoying binary success outcomes is. Yep. But I wouldn't mind playing my Cobalt again sometime. We can figure out a game where you can play a kobold. There's probably plenty of them. Do you think Jawas are the kobolds of Star Wars? Do they collect shinies? Yes. Are they small and annoying? Yes. Do they set traps? Yes. Okay, they sound pretty kobold. Okay, so Jawas (laughs) are basically just kobolds. Yep. (laughs) There you have it. I'm going to go change up my uh, same coin character now. Okay, I'll kill off Plex for you so you can be a Jawa. Oh, that'd be terrible, actually. We need someone to play the straight man. Martini! Also, definitely listen to the same coin and the episodes coming out because they're great. Yes, episode two, episode one and episode two are a lot of fun. I'm really excited for people to get to listen to episode four. I think that's our best work to date. 
we died laughing making that one. <laughs> that was it was just the silliest episode of any sort of actual play <laughs> that I have ever recorded. It was just failure after failure after failure. And so entertaining. Yep. Also, Aaron, Aitsu does have a point. Plex can just wait, I don't know. We'll have to look at the restrictions of shape-shifting in this system. Yeah, because it might size. be that you have to shape-shift to something with the same silhouette. Yeah, but if not, I'm totally requesting a Jawa mission. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think the lizard monkeys are more like, like Polly in Muppets Treasure Island. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> There, Polly was a lobster, and Polly was his own character. So I, I watched uh, the original Treasure Island after, uh, you know, like because I was curious. Uh, they took a really long time to introduce Gonzo and Rizzo. Yep. Like I don't know what the point of like waiting until after the movie was over, but like yeah, they they were pretty important. You think they'd have introduced Gonzo and Rizzo sooner? Yeah. I suggest to rewatch Muppet Treasure Island. I've watched it twice in the last month, Aaron. So you don't want to rewatch it? Oh no, I do. I okay. We'll set up a we'll set up a polycool We've movie night. Cabin fever. <laughs> okay, we're almost done. VT, we can do this. Okay, so the best friends are still trying to figure out a bit, and they do that one bit from uh, this. This is literally them doing a bit that already exists. Do you remember that episode of South Park? No. Where okay, fair. Butters is trying to be a villain and like is trying to figure out like evil schemes, and every single time his henchman says Simpsons did it. That's where the Simpsons did it meme comes from. Ah, uh, okay. So they did that, except it was Hangman did it. Then Orange sits up and says, I have an idea. No, I don't. <laughs> and that's the segment. Yep. And then we have Matt getting color again to get out of a Zoom meeting. Which I do not blame for on this one. The previous week when he does something and gets color to get out of it, kind of odd. I understand getting color to get out of a work meeting. See, but they're EVPs. Would you would you get color to get out of an EVP Sosa's meeting? Depends what we had to talk about. <laughs> uh, you were talking about our social media strategy. We have a social media strategy? We're working on one. Oh. It's, it's, it's called yelling at and blocking trolls. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck trolls. But no, I like... I, I would... I think it's worth attending EVP meetings if you actually have creative input, but yeah. work meetings where you're just sitting around talking about like what the bosses want to do and then congratulating and filleting them for coming up with such brilliant ideas, not worth it. Anyway. Uh, so that wraps up BTA. BTE. Wrong vowel. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're watching it's the Canadian version of BTE. It's BTA. I would watch a Canadian version of VT, let's be honest. It just it just stars like all of the Canadian wrestlers in the company. All five? Uno Dos, Omega, Jericho, Alley, and Sean Spears. Six. Dos, Alley, Jericho, Spears. Omega. Right. Listen, he has a Japanese citizenship. 
I don't think he ever really goes back to Winnipeg anymore. <laughs> no one blames him. Now he occasionally still does like small indie shows in Canada. I know for fun. He, he, he's actually really good like that. Just because his boyfriend is Japanese. <laughs> and hopefully come into AEW sometime. I well, we'll see. I will cry if it happens. Like and like, they don't have to have it be like you know he signs with AEW and wrestles for them forever. They could just do like a crossover type thing where they you know like they let because like AEW performers already perform in New Japan. Okay, AEW performers do the AEW EVPs kind of aren't welcome back yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's they kind the of fucked them up when they left. Like I understand that they they definitely took a lot when they left. Yeah, but like I don't know. I think eventually you might see an agreement because it's mutually beneficial for both companies to have those sort of performers. And Ring of Honor is kind of dead housing. Well, th that's the thing though is Ring of Honor is now has their creative headed by Marty Skrull, who's still in good with New Japan. And who's still in good with the elite. So like if you're going to see crossover events, it's probably going to be through him. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we have a lot, a lot of dark to get through. There's another hour and a half episode. I watched it at double speed. It was still 45 minutes. I don't think I missed much. So let's quickly just run down which matches were squashes. So we had Lowrider and Fuego del Sol taking on SEU. Yes, and Fuego del Sol and Lowrider looked very, very entertaining. They looked great. I've seen Fuego del Sol in circus wrestling. Or wrestle circus, sorry. <laughs> circus wrestling, you know. Where he had an actual match. And mm -hmm. and it was actually really good. That was like on one of their, their last couple of shows he was there. Right. Lee Johnson 5 wasn't really a squash, actually. It was 50-50 until Brody Lee came out. Yeah, it was short. Yes, it was definitely short. Not as short as Fuego del Sol and Lowrider versus SCU, but still short. <laughs> Circus wrestling. <laughs> That's going to be the name of my company. Hashtag trademark. TM, 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 TM. Uh, we had Musa and Brady Pierce taking on Proud and Powerful. Anthony Katana and Pineapple Pete represent versus The Butcher and the Blade. Yep. That went about as well as you'd expect. Zach Clayton taking on QT Appleman. Thank you for calling him by his proper name. With Ali on commentary for half of it until she decided to get involved. Mm -hmm. And in this one, uh, there's actually a miscommunication with Brandy, who got knocked off the ring side and uh, seemed to have hurt her wrist in the process. We would be seeing this if we could hop on to AEW Heels to see if her wrist is actually injured. I don't think it is, because she's been posting photos all week. That's true. Also, AEW Heels is on right now when we're recording. Yeah, I know. They chose to do it on on Fridays, so. I, I, I mean, I don't want to say sabotage, but. <laughs> Listen, we know all all the key players at AEW know our show. <laughs> Because we suggested hot sauce to Brandy one time. Yep. I still think pineapple peat hot sauce is a good idea. Yeah. I'm not going to say, like, we're not a little bit disappointed, but, you know, it's not really a surprise, and we're not taking it personally. 
I can't keep that up. <sighs> okay, so let's circle back to the matches we do want to talk about. Five versus Lee Johnson. Was a really good outing for Lee Johnson. Yes. Because he got to hold his own against a new Dark Order member mm -hmm. with the Dark Order standing on the top of the ramp. So they were very menacing. Yeah. I do appreciate that they've kept the idea of Uno, Dos, and then three, four, five. We're still missing numbers six through nine. S six is dead. Seven is somewhere. Did they actually run down this list or are you just... Oh no, six and seven had a or was it seven and eight two of them had a match on dynamite like a month ago okay and they got killed afterwards <laughs> right they got rid of seven because of cannibalism yep yeah so there's still spots to fill out here right nine got eaten yep by seven uh so yeah no like yeah it's brave of AEW to go with the cannibalism angle it honestly is you know i didn't think it could work but, you know, they haven't gone over the top with it. No, like, you know, like every once in a while, you'll be like, hey, did you hear 789? And they'll be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you tried so hard not to sell <laughs> <I'm> that. <trying. laughs> and... oh, God. I, I definitely corpsed first. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, towards the end, Brody Lee does come out. And that kind of snaps five to his senses. Mm-hmm. We finished up fast, and then the whole Dark Order jumps Lee Johnson. Because the poor guy can't catch a break. R.I.P. Lee Johnson. Again. <laughs> we had Sunny Kiss taking on Christopher Daniels. That was fun. This was a lot of fun, because they really played up Christopher Daniels struggling a little bit to keep up with the younger talent. Right. Being 50 and having just gotten a camera up his ass. Yep, you know, that'll do it for you. Yeah, at one point he gets frustrated enough to start yelling at Aubrey, which is just never a good move to do. Bad idea. Because she's not going to take your shit. Nope. Yeah, Sonny keeps catching him in arm bars, head scissors, leg drops, but it can only get two. Eventually... Eventually Daniels wins on an angel's wings. Right. It was a very solidly fun match. I like, I, I like seeing Sonny Kiss wrestle. I think Sonny Kiss is very talented. Get on dynamite. Like, just genuinely very good. Yes. Very entertaining. Very wonderful. And I'm only a little biased because Sunny Kiss is from Jersey. <laughs> oh, you're going to love the segment coming up later then. About the one on uh, dynamite? Yeah. <laughs> we, we've already seen them tag together, Aaron. But now they have a segment together. This is how story works. Nothing matters before the, the segment. <laughs> so um, we got. Cutler and Avalon versus Jurassic Express. Yep. Worth noting that Cutler and Avalon going into this match are 0 and 14. Each. Which means together they are also 0 and 14. Yep. Jurassic Express and the Luchasaurus Marco stunt duo, because that's who we had, are 1 and 0. It's okay, I'm sure they'll pick that up. We started this out with Avalon actually getting scared by Jurassic Express Pyro. It was too loud for him. Shh. <laughs> So this one was kind of fun because they did go back to that Leva Marco spot mm -hmm. from the week before where Marco goes up top and Leva just gets his, his attention and distracts him. It's like she, she has a tool she can use here and she does. Mm -hmm. So that's good for her. Yeah, no, it, 
I I like there to be less instances of non-consensual kissing on AEW. Please. Anyway, so yeah, um, Jurassic Express wins what was maybe a slightly long match. It was a little bit long for a Cutler and Avalon match, mm-hmm. but they had quite a bit in there that they got to show off, actually. Yeah, no, that's fair. And like, I, I really want Brandon Cutler to pick up the win. Yeah, <laughs> please, Brandon, please. But like at the same time, I feel like it has to be in a tag match with Peter Avalon. I was just where about to say one of them, where the 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 legal man is questionable, so both of them have to make the pin. <laughs> well, really, I love the rivalry they have going on. They play so well off each other. I do too. I think it's adorable. Cutler playing the straight man and Peter Avalon playing just so over the top. <laughs> the loudest librarian I've ever seen. Well, okay. Librarians can get really loud when they need to be. That's that's like one of the librarian skills is that you are able to turn on the loudness. See, I've never had a librarian get angry at me, so... Yeah, because you follow library rules like a good person. So anyway, our next and last match of Dark was very long. Surprisingly long, actually. It was Moxley versus Robert Anthony. Where Robert Anthony actually had control of a lot of this match. It feels weird for the champ to go 13 minutes with a jobber. Yeah. Like, okay, Robert Anthony has... A lot of experience. He's been on some other big promotions and all that. But yeah, the, the AEW champ getting caught in hammer locks and drop kicks and even taking a DVD and getting a two count. Mm-hmm. It was kind of jarring to see. For sure. And if I don't see Robert Anthony moving up into something a little more than a little more than part time, I'd be surprised at this point. Because like that's the thing, like, stuff is starting to open back up. Don't know that with wrestling, we'll see shows with crowds anytime in the next, like, six months. Yeah. But, like, travel restrictions are easing and stuff like that a little bit, so it may be the case that we start to get... I mean, like, the thing is, like, you're gonna... Your, your talent pool is local jobbers, right? Like, if you're pulling jobbers, and these guys happen to be the local jobbers. Yep. Or whoever's willing to drive up. Right. But yeah, no. When they start having more regular live events, even without crowds, like I would be surprised not to see Robert Anthony being a regular in in some spots. Right. No, like there's a lot of people who I think have potential to like actually get signed with the company as a result of this. Snake Man? Yes, Serpentico. <laughs> Knight of Pentico. That joke that Aaron's been milking for weeks. I don't know who knighted him or what a pentaco is, but I like watching him. Well, I mean, t- to be fair, he is a snake, so you are supposed to milk them for venom. True. But we don't do venom here. We do love. <laughs> the anti-venom. <laughs> Sorry, I... W- <laughs> Did we not pledge our loyalty to the Poison Clan at the beginning of this episode? I mean, yeah, but I, I, I don't like being that toxic. <laughs> anyway... How about a mid-roll? <laughs> yeah, let's go to the mid-roll. We've been doing this for 45 minutes. Why don't we head over to the mid-roll and find out? Mid-roll, mid-roll. 
everybody's talking about the mid-roll, mid-roll, mid-roll. It is really gay. Hey, what's up, sluts? It's me, Flopjaw, the shittiest Muppet. I'm here to talk to you about a very important subject. That subject is a podcast that I'm on. It's called Unsound Theories. Well, gee, Flopjaw, what's Unsound Theories? Well, Cat, it's good that you asked. I was about to tell you, but I needed to wait for you to ask first. Unsound Theories, a podcast where, well, Cat here and also Kira, that's me. They watch a movie, but they don't use any sound or subtitles to watch the movie, so they have no fucking idea what the fuck is going on. And then they talk about what they think it was about. Well, gee, Flopjaw, that sure sounds like a lot of fun. Where can I find this podcast? You can find it literally wherever you get a goddamn podcast. Just search for fucking Unsound Theories. Make sure to smoke a lot of cigarettes when you listen, but don't actually do that, because it'll make your voice sound like mine. Find Unsound Theories wherever podcasts are sold. So let's please move on. I'm the one delaying us, but let's please move on because I am schwitzing a lot. It is 35 degrees outside or something ridiculous like that. And I have my AC off and I want to die. It's okay. Dynamite this week only had a few segments on it, but we also got Jericho on commentary and Justin Roberts announcing again. Hooray. I, I, I saw the little segment with him putting on his rings and everything like that. He had his haircut. Yeah. It was very good. I appreciate it. Like, I, I, and like, that's one of those things. Like, I think Aubrey tweeted about how her first match in AEW that, like, you know, she was nervous. The first person she sees when she goes out to the ring is like smiling, Justin Roberts, and how comforting it is to be like, okay, yeah, he's back. You know, I know I know what I'm doing, but, you know, there's just that little bit of extra. It's that friendly face. Mm hmm. Yeah. Dasha Gonzalez does a wonderful job announcing. Oh, absolutely. She could probably say Norfolk. And Hikaru, but I'm really glad to see Justin Roberts back. It's just, it's, it's that little comfort. That said, I, I am excited for, I, it's exciting to hear him say Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> From Norfolk, England. We start off with FTR taking on the Butcher and the Blade. Now this got started a couple of weeks ago when Butcher and the Blade jumped the Bucks and that introduced FTR. And... This was a proper, technical, brawly tag match. It was so much fun to watch. It's something you don't normally see on on AEW. No, because AEW is a lot of, uh, it's a lot of like high-flying wrestling. It's yeah. not a lot of like stand and hit. Especially in the tag divisions. These two teams just kind of brawled for the whole match. Just like punch falcon punch falcon punch yeah there was a brief feeling out period at the start and then they just went mm -hmm. we ended up getting a a full death countered by throwing blade out of the way catching dax when he came down into what used to be the shatter machine but they're now calling the good net express i like that name i do too it feels very classic wrestling it really does like 
And like, I, I'm really interested to see, like, because so one of the things they cut to was Tully and Arn in the audience taking notes. So it'd be interesting if they do like a new Four Horsemen sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Sean Spears is also in the audience, staring daggers into the back of Tully's head. <laughs> he was further away than Arn. <laughs> like, jeez. But yeah, no, that was, I mean, it's FTR. It was going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, it's a debut match on Dynamite. And it opened it up, too, which was even better. You didn't have to wait for this. <laughs> now, after the match, Tony goes in to get an interview with FTR. The Bucks come out and interrupt, saying, We didn't get to properly introduce each other. We've been carrying tag team wrestling for the past decade and a half. Who are you? <laughs> before before uh, FTR could reply... They get jumped by, or the, the Bucks get jumped by Butcher and the Blade. FTR jump Butcher and the Blade. Superbad Death Squad jumps FTR. The Superbad Polycule. Okay, we keep saying Superbad Polycule because, yes, that's the energy. I would like to give a shout out right here to MV Young, who is a legitimate polyamorous wrestler. But yeah, definitely I would say, uh, I believe it's at the MV Young. Give him a follow wonderful person and then follow everyone he follows <laughs> that's how you find more wrestlers yeah that's a pretty good idea actually some of them even follow you back yeah and that's terrifying actually oh that's not terrifying at all for me because most of the wrestlers i follow are queer so like i figure some of them may want to see my <clears throat> never mind <laughs> Anyway, so I think it's really interesting to get, like, the little dust-up in the tag division. Because, you know, obviously not being able to have the Lucha Bros kind of hampers the tag division a little bit. Because the Lucha Bros are so fucking good. (laughs) They are probably the most exciting team to watch. Like, even against the Bucks, they're probably the more exciting team to watch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this brought out like all the big players right now, except for Best Friends, because they come out later. But we also got Hangman and Kenny coming out for this. Hangman with a glass of whiskey. And we had a little bit of eye contact with Hangman and FTR here. So you can maybe understand, maybe something to work with with this rivalry with the Bucks. Maybe. Maybe, depending how much they want to bury that between them. I don't know how much longer they could drag that storyline out without a resolution is the thing. So like, I want to see them put together some sort of resolution for that story sooner rather than later. Definitely. Yeah, no. So we get some backstage segments. The, I want to come with a better name for the natural nightmares than the natural nightmares. But like, all I can think of is the apple and the grape, but I don't know why Dustin would be the grape. Grape. That's the thing. I don't think that's a good nickname for them. No, it's not. The apple and the raisin, because Dustin's old. Uh, Well, we do find out that Natural Nightmares are taking on Hangman and Kenny next week in a title shot, which is really confusing to me. Yeah, this is, what, the second time they've had a title defense before the best friends get their shot? Now, the best friends have a shot against the titles for Fighter Fest. That was what they won. They just keep saying Kenny and Heyman because they're currently holding them. So it's like, whatever, that pass around, best friends still get their shot at what's important here. But the Natural Nightmares have been having matches on Dark. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking they probably don't win this one. 
no, they definitely don't. But it's like, I, I don't know. It, it seems a bit weird in the system for them to go from, from dark to title shot. In the system that is ostensibly wins matter. Exactly. Record matters. Who you wrestle matters. Yeah. Code Apple. Oh my god. <laughs> Code Apple. Code Red Delicious. Boom! Got him. <laughs> she got there, folks. Moving into another tag match, though. Because this week was tag week, and I, I'm here for it. We had... Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander teaming again against Nyla Rose and Penelope Ford. I'm still laughing. <laughs> Code Red Delicious. I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little drunk. You had one. <laughs> I, I have a very low tolerance. I am a lady, Aaron. Okay, fair. So anyway, Penelope and Nyla versus... Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida, our champion. I appreciate the fact that they've been doing a bit more women's tag. Yes. I would like to see them have actual defined women's tag teams. Yeah, that's something where the division is definitely still growing and they don't have everyone around at the same time. Mm -hmm. But really pushing an actual focused tag division would win my heart completely. Absolutely. The more tag matches we... I don't know. I am of the opinion that tag team wrestling is the best kind of wrestling. Oh, totally. And, like, it's demonstrably so. Okay, so in a regular match, what what is the objective of a regular match? To beat the other guy up until you can pin him. Or get a count out, or put him in a submission. Yeah, to, to get to get a win. So when you add a tag match in there, you have more bodies who can interact even more Mm -hmm. in an organized way, but you also get the additional psychology of the tag. Right. Because you can keep guys out longer, you can you can do you can keep them fresh, you can do quick tags to get even more going, you can wear people down, but then you got that hot tag at the end when you're ready to go home and you clean everything up, and it's so exciting to see. Mm-hmm. Now, do you prefer the lucha tag rules slash Chikara tag rules, wherein if someone goes out of the ring, that counts as a tag? Or do you prefer that a tag has to physically happen? A very important thing to point out here is even in lucha tag rules, you can still physically tag. No, right. You could. That Sorry, that, that should have been. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm just making that point. My personal preference is for the lucha tag rules because then you add in keeping control of the legal man. Right. Because if they get away from you and they go out of the ropes, you got something else to deal with. Mm-hmm. I like that more because it's just another layer added onto the match. But I will never cringe away from watching a traditional tag. Yeah, no, I, I feel more or less the same way. I like, I like all forms of tag matches. But at the same time, there is something really special about like those lucha rules, where like you have the you have that added element of ring control. Yeah, that like it definitely adds something to it. Now, for an American audience, Chikara does the lucha tag rules, I believe, a bit more familiar. Yeah, they they have a bit more familiarity with the with the lucha tag rules because in. Mexico, the actual Lucha Libre, is very different looking from what wrestling is up here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 
it's more high flying. They land different. They roll different. You can even hear Phoenix complains quite a bit about how American wrestlers don't know how to catch anybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why he gets injured. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's just such a different system that matches are staged differently and moves are done differently that it looks more like a dance going on than a competition to win. Yes. So, like, I'm of the opinion that tag matches if you if you add too many people though a match gets convoluted and muddy and hard to watch yeah i think tag matches are perfect and that you know there's still a lot of one-on-one focus but you can have like you know double team maneuvers and stuff like that without it getting too muddy and building more drama is he gonna get the tag is just as good if not better than is he gonna get pinned you know the two count versus the desperate reaching for a hot tag yep the hot tag is always just that little bit more entertaining now generally i can do up to three person tags okay like i'm fine with there the psychology uh is a little gets different there but it it's still very noticeable and it's very controllable now do you mean like three different teams or two teams of three two teams of three Okay, yes, two teams of three works better, I think, than three teams of two. Four teams of two is perfectly fine as well. Okay. But two teams of three is about my normal limit. As much as I love the Survivor Series five and five matches, they're not usually the best. Mm-hmm. But Chikara actually does pretty well with that when they do their Cybernetico. Right. Because they do two teams of five in batting order. Oh, okay, I get that. So you're always taking in the same person. You're always taking out to the same person. And it's still elimination, so you still go through it like that. That said, I think the best thing Chikara does is King of Trios. Oh, totally. A whole weekend dedicated <laughs> to trios matches is amazing. Oh, uh, God. we Okay, so this is... We've gotten entirely off topic, and we still have a lot of dark, left, uh, dark <laughs> dynamite left to cover. But earlier this week, we watched the mask versus mask episode mucha de apuestas of boomer versus dasher hatfield yep that was such a fun match like if you have iwtv or chikara's streaming service i strongly recommend watching that it's on anniversario scotch mist thank you final match of the night and yeah it's amazing at that point i think boomer was one year into the business i think that's what they said yeah so you know Dasher is not only not only set out the match, but is calling it as they go. Mm-hmm. But Boomer still keeps up the whole way through. It was genuinely a joy to watch a such a well-constructed match. It worked really well. The angle that they played with it, where, like, Boomer wins the match. Sorry, spoilies. Boomer wins the match. I mean, if you watch Chikara, Dasher doesn't have a mask on. Boomer yeah. still does. It's fairly fucking obvious. But the way that that match, like, the, the, the way that Boomer isn't willing to take off the mask. You finally earn something, you won't even take it. And takes it off himself. Calls him a disappointment. Just, like, perfect reminder of what it was like living at home. Yeah, like, this match started when Dasher... <laughs> You're just gonna let that one sit there? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Don't remind me of home. <laughs> but the match starts like as Dasher comes out of the curtains 
makes his way in and he gets berated by a fan at ringside. Mm-hmm. Then Boomer comes out and has like a, a huddle and cheering section going on. With the fan, like there's a whole segment with him, like with the fans, which is what, um, which is what Dasher used to do before he turned heel. Yep. And the match doesn't end until they go to black. Like, um, yeah, like the, the part where Molly comes up and like covers Dasher's head and like yells at Boomer that their time tagging is over, despite the fact that they had tagged for a while together. Like they had tagged for like at least a year together. They were a good team. They were a really good team. And then they tagged for King of Trios for some reason. <laughs> but and, and they go away and it still goes until it goes to black because Boomer is still in there selling his own shock. Mm-hmm. But like, it was just, it was, it's, Chikara puts on some really good matches with some very fresh talent. They have such a great group of talent. They're in both young upstarts and in veterans to help point them in the right direction right like that's the thing like the wrestle factory does an incredible job of training people up to be really talented wrestlers if you want some of that training then mike quackenbush has a youtube channel called till we make it where he talks about things like psychology and ring work and presentation and even like day-to-day tasks for yourself as a wrestler mm-hmm. and it's like it is it's very interesting to watch he is so smart on this and like also to be honest the wrestle factory for training school is not terribly expensive no not even compared to the place that was around here before it's not mm-hmm. it was the thing there's like and like the people who train you are really good yeah Aaron, what would your chikara gimmick be assuming that you uh, no, I'm going to let you pick whether you're a masked wrestler or not. I would definitely be a masked wrestler. I think. Okay. I, I, I love the aesthetic of the mask and what they can help put forward. Like, not even just for the character, but as... It's kind of like a shield. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I can stay in character because that's what's, what's on presentation. My character... Oh, goodness. Keeping in mind that Chikara lets you get away with whatever the fuck <laughs> whatever you want. You so you want. could be like, you could you could be a second kobold if you wanted to. They have a kobold, yeah. I know. Kobold, please train me. <laughs> You're a veteran now. Honestly, I don't know if I'd do that. I don't know what kind of gimmick I would present. I would not be welcome in Chikara because the only gimmick that I could think to do for myself is a diva gimmick. And they're a little too porny for Chikara. I'm sorry. Someone had to say it. <laughs> hey, if you call me a bitch, put stupid in front of it. My way. That's a TikTok thing. Sorry. I haven't been watching a lot of TikToks. <laughs> Lucha Pirate Kobold. I mean, one of the... When I was like actually able to follow cmll a lot one of the ones that i really like watching was ray bacanero so it's not unheard of I'm trying to let's get a random wrestling gimmick generator oh god this is gonna be terrible <laughs> okay this one's a good one your name is paul henderson and you're a software engineer <laughs> is this written by chucky Taylor? <laughs> Your name is Emo Piston, and you're the second coming of Triple H. <laughs> Paul Mitchell, the doctor. 
There's enough doctors in wrestling. Oh, hold on, I'm taking a quiz. Oh my god. So anyway, I'm going to talk about uh, the match that we were talking about, where a couple big things in here where the faces controlled quite a bit of it. Nyla gets up and does a double guillotine leg drop on both Hikaru and Statlander, which is amazing to see. Manages to kick out of a Falcon Arrow at two. Kip Sabian briefly gets involved, striking the referee. Nyla throws Penelope for the women's title. She hits Sheeta and gets a Fisherman Suplex for three. So what we have here is Penelope Ford, who just a few months ago was kind of not so well known in AEW, Mm -hmm. has pinned the women's champion. That's a big upgrade. I think this is very good for Penelope. I got a very bad, dumb name from that quiz, because I think they only consider male wrestlers in those quizzes. Probably. But yeah, no, that was a fun match. I mean, someone kicked out of the Falcon Arrow. Nobody kicks out of the Falcon Arrow. Nobody. Nobody. I Nobody. Popped. Nobody. I so loud. Anyway, um, so we get a black and white video of Darby Allen hanging out with Tony Hawk. He tries to drop in off of a ladder because it's Darby Allen. God. He gets in the end, though, so... I mean, that's what skate videos are. It's usually the one good take you get. Yeah. So you think Tony Hawk's going to start training Darby Allen? (laughs) Maybe. Is Tony Hawk going to hold off Taz? I would like Darby Allen to be in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater remake. That would be awesome, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I already might pick it up. I was going to pick it up. Because, yeah, it's Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Why wouldn't you? But yeah, Darby Allen in there, please. That'd be awesome. So our next match. Oh, sorry. We have a Britt Baker segment. Britt Baker is still brilliant. I don't want to underplay her. I adore her heel work. Go find this promo. It's amazing. It's so funny. She is so good at this. Our next match is the circle that is inner versus the friends that are best and Orange Cassidy. Because <laughs> even Matt Hardy recognized the power of Orange Cassidy. <laughs> 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 yeah, so this was a good match. Excalibur gives a brief shout out to Barrett's privateers at the start. Because it's Excalibur and why not? <laughs> That's what he does. He does things that make me love him. Uh it's just so funny. Like Excalibur talks about the weirdest, most obscure shit. <laughs> he just knows everything. And everyone. Well, we had a turning point in this match where Ortiz goes to the ringside and takes off Orange Cassidy's glasses and throws him into the crowd. So you know it's not going good for them after that. Nope. That's his that's his rage trigger to pull something <laughs> from TV tropes. Yep. Orange gets the tag, does a double Hurricane Rana on Proud and Powerful. It's very fun to watch. Crossbody on, crossbody on Ortiz, or Tornado DDT on Santana, who... The camera got really close to his face, and he looked really disappointed in himself that he got caught by that. That was the, like, sit-up, disappointed, fallback. <laughs> yep. The The way that Proud and Powerful sell is just so, lo- it's so wonderful. I love their, I love the way that they sell things. It's just, like, that, like, pause and then explode. They, they both have the same style in pausing, but... Or, in selling but they go about it in two different ways right so like there's the pause and then there's the 
like cell. And then there's the pause and there's the explosion cell. Yeah. It is worth noting that Jericho was on commentary for this match and yep. every match leading up to this one. Yeah, he started the show on commentary. Eventually, a mousetrap gets put on Ortiz for three. And then Jericho gets off commentary with Floyd. Mm-hmm. And they beat down the best friends. And they beat down Orange Cassidy with a bag of oranges. Some of which were blood oranges. And one of the oranges hits the canvas pretty hard and actually bursts. Yep. <laughs> so there's like orange juice dripping all over the canvas. Almost assuredly, they have to then take that off, replace it, and like, you know, refit it with new canvas. Because I imagine you have to treat blood on orange juice the same way. Yeah, pretty much any liquid on there is going to screw it up. You can maybe get away with like a mist. Depends how saturated some parts are. Because like, it it's fabric canvas. So you get water and it's going to stretch out and it's going to deform and all that. So you got to be careful. Yeah. But it was a really good visual with the burst orange on orange. <laughs> and it looks like we're setting up for Jericho taking on Orange Cassidy. Can you imagine? I can. And it's terrifying and amazing. Just like if you had asked Jericho like two years ago if he'd be wrestling a guy who sticks his hands in his pockets and is apathetic about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> you'd probably say no i'm in wwe they'd fire that guy so anyway our next oh no we have a segment with billy gunn and mjf yep billy gunn's having an interview done and mjf interrupts it a bunch of words are said and wardlow's called in mjf insults austin gunn which like to be fair it's austin gunn it's not hard to insult him he hasn't he doesn't get to talk a whole lot for himself he's wrestled what twice for aew um two or three times yeah he's in the crowd i don't i i, I don't know i feel like that there's got to be a good reason why he hasn't actually wrestled so billy gunn is like one of the backstage coaches yeah so i don't know if maybe he's got a backstage role going on and he just happens to get in the ring once in a while kind of like cutler does i guess i i know austin gunn is consistently sheeta's coat holder yep that is a very important job we get, we get rumors from JR about Cole Cabana being offered a spot in the Dark Order. Yep, which was after the Battle Royal a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And leads us into our match of Cole Cabana versus Sammy Guevara. This was a fun match. I mean, it's Sammy. It's Sammy and Cole. It's going to be great. Right. They have kind of like similar ring presentation. I, I don't want to say wrestling style because their styles are, you know, pretty different. But they have a similar, like, you know, neither of us is taking this seriously. They're both get that very cocky attitude. Yeah. Colt goes funny. Sammy goes a little more serious. Yeah. A little more egotistical. But yeah, they, they played up well against each other. Colt throws Sammy's scooter off the stage. Mm -hmm. So he scrambles to pick that up and make sure it's okay. They have a bird off in the middle of the ring. The double deuce comes out. <laughs> like, are they allowed to show that on TV? I guess. I mean, they do every other week. Uh, but yeah, Sammy ends up winning the match in some very spectacular fashion. Yes, especially getting the burning GTS from out of the corner mm -hmm. on Colt for the three. Now, there was a part here where I heard someone in the crowd yelled, you chop like a girl. And to them, I can just say, fuck off. Right? Like, I would not want to get chopped by Big Swole. Thank no. you very much. I mean, maybe I would. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. 
I, I, much like Orange Cassidy, have a rage trigger at being chopped. I don't want to be chopped. It hurts. Okay, I won't chop you anymore. Fine. You've never actually chopped me. Didn't I? Maybe some Orange Cassidy chops. That, that's probably what, what we did, yeah. But yeah, mo- most of the really important stuff is after the match here, where Colt Cabana is going over his loss in his head, and the Dark Order comes out, led by Uno and Grayson. They're back. Somehow they got here from Canada. Because the planes are still flying. You just can't go through the border. Unless you have like a legitimate reason to go through the border. And I don't think wrestling feels like a very legitimate reason. But I don't know. Like, I guess. Uh, I saw an article this morning going over how people can still fly into the States. I don't know if that's been a recent development or it just wasn't well published. Do you want to send that to me? I can see if I can find it again. Because there are certain people who I would like to see again i know because it's been four months i know anyway sammy wins colt gets an offer to be part of the dark order it's not even really an offer here where they just help him up and then walk away and colt walks up to the stage he looks at the baby face tunnel he looks at the heel tunnel and he goes in the heel tunnel after the dark order and we see after the break where he actually goes into mr Brody lee's room so that is something. Sammy gets his music playing because he's the best and the greatest. But wait, pause the multiverse. I mean, music. Matt Hardy comes out. Yep, Matt Hardy comes out and they start doing a promo. And it seems that when Sammy hits certain keywords, we get different Matt Hardys. Like he said something and we got Matt Hardy version one along mm-hmm. with the matter of facts. He said broken and we got Damascus back. So something kind of funny going on there. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. We'll have to see how this one plays out. We get Joseph Janela at a bar wondering why he went from facing Moxley in the main event to just fading out to nothing and like occasionally kind of pseudo jobbing. Yep. Then we get Sunny Kiss coming to pick him up in a convertible pickup truck. <laughs> What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Must be a segment. <laughs> it's it's so somebody comes and picks him up in a convertible, and it's just like, let's go shopping. Yeah, at whatever o'clock at night it is. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit weird, but they did say to be continued. To be continued. Maybe we'll see a bit of a push for the Jersey Boys. What do you think their tag name is going to be? I mean, I kind of hope they just go with Jersey Boys. <laughs> No, because that's already a musical. I know. (laughs) Unless they come out to Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, I don't want anything to do with it. I mean, Tony Khan has some money. I doubt he's going to pay for Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Just buy the one song. (laughs) Which one? I don't know. Erin, you have to name a Frankie Valley song. (laughs) I can't. Because it's been like 20 years since I listened to them. (laughs) Just one. I'm sorry to disappoint. Just one. You could do it. Oh, I really can't. See, I used to listen to Oldies Radio, and I would have known plenty then, but I haven't in 20 years. That's fair. You could do Working My Way Back to You. You could do Oh, What a Night. Which I guess is actually December 63, parentheses, oh, what a night. 
Uh, there's there's a good there's a couple good ones you could do, but yeah, no. It. I mean, the problem is that Frankie Valley's still alive, so his music isn't public domain yet. So they actually have to pay for it. That's why you buy the song. But then Jersey Boys can't do it, and Jersey Boys is still on Broadway. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, no, screw that then. Or it might be off Broadway at this point. I don't remember. It's somewhere doing something. Anyway, we come back to Moxie being interviewed outside. He's getting very angry about Taz and how he won't shut up. So Taz shows up and then Mox gets jumped by Cage and who goes street fighter on a car with him. Perfect. Whose car do you think that was? I don't know. It had to have been a junker that they bought. It had an AEW plate on it. It had to have been a junker that they bought. Yeah, probably. Or someone came out after that happened and it was off screen. Someone came out after that happened and goes, oh my god. Maybe they'll show that next week. <laughs> that would be a very good little segment to have one of the one of either the Bucks or Kenny do, considering they are very obviously Street Fighter fans. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. That's my favorite part of Street Fighter is that guy who comes out after you beat up his car. Oh my god. <laughs> have it be Avalon? Okay. That works. <laughs> so we have Cody versus Quinn video package. Yeah, we have a rundown of next week's event where we're going to get MJF versus Billy Gunn. Mm -hmm. The super bad polycule versus the Young Bucks. Hangman and Omega versus the Natural Nightmares. And Les Sex Gods taking on the best friends for the Fighter Fest title shot. Oh my god, I swear to god, they're just really trying to fire Chuck Taylor, huh? But really, they're just taking everything away from him. I hope best friends win, because I really want to see them have a title shot at Fighter Fest. And like, I don't know, I feel like they'd make good champions as like transitional champions. Yeah. You know, for a tag division that's very spicy right now i think the best friends would make good champions yeah as like a, you know they, they don't need to hold it for terribly long a few months like i think it'd be good like till the next pay-per-view right because the next pay-per-view is september out in september all out or all in i don't know they, they have those ones too close together for me well because all in was the special one that they did um like as the one-time event, and then All Out is what they do now as an AEW event. I thought they did All In still as well. I could be wrong. Let's look it up. The power of the internet. They do All Out. They do Fight for the Fallen? But yeah, that's the charity event. Okay, so it's like Double or Nothing, Fighter Fest, Fight for the Fallen, All Out, and Full Gear. Okay. It's probably Full Gear I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, although they also did Revolution... Yeah, in, in February this year, because they weren't running February last year. Right. So I'm thinking we'll do, they'll do like Feb. There was a long gap between Revolution and Double or Nothing. February to May? Yeah. And then May to February, March, April, May. Three months. May, June, July. May, June, July gets you to another three months. So the problem is Fight for the Fallen and All Out are bunched up maybe a bit more than they should be yeah fight for the fallen though is like their charity event so uh, it's a bit of a special case i guess and then yeah because the only thing they have scheduled for the rest of 2020 as a pay-per-view right now is all out yeah and that's for september 
That's right. I missed Fight for the Fallen last year because it was on my birthday. Yes. And I was doing gay stuff. I remember now. (laughs) You were doing very gay stuff. And I was watching with Aitsu. Because that was the one that had Sima taking on Kenny Omega, where every other move that Sima did was a Meteora. (laughs) There's also the one, I think B Priestley was in that one. I don't remember. I can look up the card. Hold on. I'm sorry. I tried not to. It just (laughs) happened. I've been holding off on Animal Parade the entire episode. MJF, Sammy Guevara, and Sean Spears versus Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela. Yep. Brandy versus Allie. Which became Awesome Kong versus Allie. Which became Awesome Kong confronted by Aja Kong. <laughs> I was so hoping that would go somewhere. This was even before Jurassic Express was called Jurassic Express. So we had Uno and Dos versus TH2, a boy and his dinosaur. Oh, sorry. It's it's the Dark Order versus TH2 versus a boy and his dinosaur. Yeah, that was for a buy in the tag team tournament. First round in the tournament, yeah. Yep. Because they hadn't established belts yet. Hangman versus Kip Sabian. That was a great match. That was back when the Deadeye was still his finisher. Yep. Then, because Hangman at this point had won the right to challenge for the championship. So Jericho comes out in disguise and hits him with the code breaker. Yep. Lucha Bros versus SCU. That wasn't the ladder match. No. No. The ladder match was with the Bucks. No, there was a ladder in it. There was a ladder involved after the match, and then the Lucha Bros challenged the Young Bucks to a ladder match for the AAA title at All Out. Yep. This was before Dynamite was a thing, too. Yep. They weren't even weekly. This they were just doing pay-per-views. Omega versus Shima. Yep, with the Meteor Meteoras. Mm-hmm. And then the main event was the Bucks of Youth versus the Hood of Brothers. Which was the Young Bucks versus Cody and Dustin. Oh right. Yeah, because that was after their fight mm-hmm. beforehand, where I, I I don't need a partner, I need my older brother. <laughs> I need my brother. I'll I'll be honest, I cried during that, so the pre-show matches were Sunny Kiss versus Peter Avalon and B Priestley and Shoko Nakajima versus Britt Baker and Riho. Okay. I was right, B Priestley was in it. There we go. There we go. Vindication. Back to the show. <laughs> Cody versus Mark Quinn in an amazing match. Mark Quinn looks so good. Yeah. So the big Thing going for this one was Mark Quinn's ankle from last week, mm-hmm. where Cody worked it. He was stomping it, he was kicking it, he was grapevining it. And, like, you know, that's part of what, you know, scouting and working the weak spot is part of, like, you know, real, like, you know, that's the, that's the strat, you know? Yep. And, like, it's one of those things that I think, you know, like, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, like, having Arn in your corner helps with. Yep. It's definitely a good eye to have with you. But Quinn sold it so amazingly. Mm-hmm. Like, there was one point where he tried to springboard to hit something and end up falling off because he couldn't put pressure on it. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, working himself up to all the high-flying stuff the whole way through. You know, he's running a, a bit a bit awkward. He's limping. But, you know, he, he gets that adrenaline going, and he starts hitting topes, and he starts jumping over the ropes. 
He hits a 450 onto the ramp. Mm-hmm. Goes for a shooting star press, but misses, though. And that lets Cody grapevine his ankle into a calf crusher. And even then, Quinn held on for a good solid minute. Yeah, it was. I mean, like, I. This match was about spotlighting Mark Quinn more than it was about spotlighting Cody. Yep. And yeah, Mark Quinn, if you didn't think he was already great in Private Party, this will make you rewatch everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cassidy is also very good. Like, I adore Private Party. Like, they, they work well together. They work well separate. They're just really good workers. Yep. And it was really nice that they got to show that off at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hager comes out to stare at Cody and then shoots towards Arn. Yeah, he goes to choke Arn. Cody grabs him, Jake lifts him, slams him down twice, and then Isaiah Cassidy and Matt Hardy come out and they all toss chairs at Hager <laughs> and the rest of the circle that is in her come out and they attack the faces. It's a whole thing. Matt Hardy continues to attack Sammy, but the heels end up standing tall because that's how wrestling is supposed to work on weekly shows leading up to pay-per-views. Yeah, and we got from this that Hagar has a title match at Fighter Fest now for the TNT mm-hmm. title. The unfortunate thing here is they specifically said Cody. And it goes back to the tag title match mm-hmm. with the best friends where they have a tag title match at Fighter Fest. It doesn't matter if Hangman and Omega still have the titles, They'll be facing whoever's champion. Mm-hmm. On this one, they laid out specifically that it's Cody. And I don't know, it, it, when you have Cody defending every week and you set something up for in the future, it kind of gives away what's going to happen. Absolutely. Uh, so that's the end of Dynamite. We have two segments left. One of them is a new segment because I didn't prepare anyone's ass to talk about. Oh, no. That's okay. I don't have a beef. <laughs> I don't really either. So I guess we have one segment left. Oh, goodness. It's all just me now. Yeah. So actually, we're going to first do a full stop here. I do want to take a moment to pause and like about like 20 minutes ago on SmackDown, Biggie and Kofi took a knee and did the Black Power Fist in the middle of the ring. And, you know, fucking we're right there with you. I, I have to imagine this shit has not been easy for black wrestlers in particular like but we really hope they don't face any repercussions for it i know the wwe locker room has been very very tense yeah because you've got that one idiot who threw his work slogan into it so but i've heard very good things from triple h having an open door policy to talk about like you know any racism that performers might face or any Mm -hmm. topics related to black lives matter and public demonstrations and things like that for the nxt team there's i you know there's like little bits of light and like i don't know wwe as a company sucks but i stand with and stand by and love and respect all of their not all of them but most of their performers definitely there's a lot of performers with wwe that i really truly do respect a lot want to like you know say like on the air and on the podcast that you know we're we stand with you we will do everything we can to elevate your voices so we have a new segment do you want me to introduce the segment go for it okay 
Come on, come on. Feel it, feel it. It's the Markies. <laughs> this is a segment where Erin picks a match that she feels is deserving of our official endorsement, I guess. As it's a little bit of homework, maybe. Yeah, like a little bit of homework to say, this is a match that we endorse as something you should watch because it's an example of really good wrestling. Yep. And we're calling it the Markies because Aaron couldn't come up with a better title and I wanted to do a Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch joke. Yep, I couldn't stop her. Uh... Oops. So this week, we are going to be looking at O'Shea Edwards taking on Eric Royal. And this was at Flying V Fights, the hardest part of the ring. Uh, Flying V is a nonprofit performance art company. I definitely maybe look into them. They hold events like this pretty regularly, it looked like. So do you have, is there a YouTube link for that? Yes, there is. I will throw it in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah. So what this is, is this is what I feel can be looked at as like a quintessential Haas match. It's two big guys going in, exchanging moves, and just wearing each other down. Mm -hmm. And it comes... Okay, so you have a story going into it of Eric Royal was like the top guy for a couple promotions. Then something happened, he started losing mm -hmm. matches, and O'Shea Edwards is calling him out on it. So they go and have this match, and throughout the match, Eric Royal actually controls a lot of it. He is next to no-selling suplexes, he's standing up to clotheslines, he's winning the test of strength and all that. Mm-hmm. And O'Shea Edwards is getting worn down as they go. Like he's taken longer to get up. He's shown a little more wear and tear, but eventually does hit a burning hammer for the win. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm going to give everything away studied anyway. And after that, he gets on the mic and tells them exactly what the announcers have been saying throughout the match. Like, when we were out here last night for a Beyond Wrestling event, everyone got to see Eric Royal and you lost. We came out here tonight for this one, and I got to see Eric Royal, and you lost. What is up with you? Mm -hmm. And then just leaves. So it's like, it's a great powerhouse match. It has that great lead up of the recent events going on between them, and it's just left on that really sharp note. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm going to watch this match. I'm going to study it. I'm going to enjoy it. I encourage everyone listening and watching to do the same. Now, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears, I guess. I accidentally went into Julius Caesar. <laughs> I thought that was on purpose. No, I just, I, I mean, a little bit. <laughs> I'm reminded of the Little Rascals, where I think Spanky is doing the monologue from Julius Caesar, but <laughs> all of the kids have, like, spitballs. And they're sitting in the crowd, so he starts off, friends, Romans, countrymen, and then everyone spit, shoots spitballs at him. It's like, <laughs> he ducks behind the shield. I came to bury Caesar. Not to praise him. Anyway, uh, that's not an endorsement of the Little Rascals by any stretch of the imagination, because, like, there's a lot of racial problems with that. Yeah. But it also came out, like, a century ago. Like... Also, they didn't need to make 1990s films out of it. No, they really didn't. It didn't add a whole lot. 
but no, the 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 Our Gang comedies, aka the Little Rascals, aka Hal Roach's Rascals, fuck that came out in the forties. Yep, and the thirties. Yep. Were we going somewhere with this? No, not at I all. I have to pee. <laughs> I'm hot. I'm like incredibly overheating. So forgive me. I'm a little drunk. I'm overheating, and I might be a little loud right now. Regardless of all that, you said you didn't have a beef this week? I did not. Okay, so then, in that case, let me take us out. Did we have a, do we have a structured ending for this show? Yes. Do we? I don't remember it. Oh, I remember it now. <laughs> I was gonna have to, do I have to do it for you? <laughs> no, I, re- ch- 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 I remember. I remember. I remember. I remember. It's been over two weeks. <laughs> okay, we do have a structured ending. This is such a fucking clusterfuck of an episode. We talked about Red Alert 2 for like 20 minutes. Just get us out of here. Never. We're stuck here forever. I have to pee. Okay. For Aaron's bladder's sake. From me, from Aaron, from Aaron's bladder. (laughs) And from my empty drink. To you all, I bid you adieu. And I say to you, be gay. And do crimes. Bang. Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S dot C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. This episode is sponsored by the Poison Clan and the letter C for Crucible. But also we join the Dark Order. Huge. Okay, we join the Dark Order, but I, I, my, my heart is always with the Poison Clan. <laughs> I mean, can we do both? Uh, do you want to tweet out a fitting and find out? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, include include Uno in there too, because uh, player Uno definitely wrestled in Chikara. Because I watched a video of uh, earlier today of of a fitting getting scoop slammed by Stu, who was wrestling as player Dose at the time. that gets any reply i'm expecting a no from both of them and then (laughs) we'll totally be sol no that's okay if if that happens i'll choose the poison clan okay that's fair they get more of a push anyway (laughs) that's true